The views, informations, or opinions expressed during the filming of this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent any church affiliation of hosts, Ray, Nog, Ken. I want to welcome you to the Not Safe for Church podcast where we serve the saints and the angst because Jesus is for everybody. I am your host, Ray, Nog, Kent. I want you to like, comment, and subscribe. But right now, I want to welcome our co-host of the week. We got Luna Daniel in the studio. Come on. Eh, eh. We got Derek Logan. Come on. All the way from his bedroom where the magic happens. I'm kidding. We got Steve Gould. Come on. With the symbols. Praise him with the symbols. Ain't that what the scripture says? Praise him with the symbols. Ha, Rabbi Shata. Well, y'all know we got to start this episode how we start off every episode with the altar call. Somebody may be asking, what is an altar call? An altar call is where we call out some of our brothers and sisters who may be in need of prayer. And, you know, earlier today I was talking to Derek and Derek said, like, it's really just like it's gossip. But I feel like that's a lot of times prayer in church sometimes. You know, you say, hey, can you pray for me? And the next thing you know, they talking about you over here. They talking about you over there. I just can't. I don't know. Praise the Lord. But all right, let me get into the first half topic. Recently, I was scrolling the internet, and I saw the infamous Stevie J from Love & Hip Hop, music producer, well-known, and he was in an interview. But during the interview, he looked a little <laughs> preoccupied, and um, <laughs> he looked like something was happening to him during the interview um, that would I happen um, when you're engaging in sexual intercourse with somebody. The question I want to ask you guys, <laughs> why is the world so sexually charged? Anybody has the floor, anybody. <laughs> wow. Wait, like during what kind of, like a job interview? Well, he was on, a, he, he's a music producer. He don't need no job. What he, kind, you need to elaborate. Like, you know, like an interview, like, oh, Stevie J, what okay. you doing like right press. now? Like pr- the press. Okay. And like, what was the setting? Like he was at a table like this and then. I feel like you saw the video, but maybe you did not. He literally in his bedroom, you can see the headboard. He has no shirt on and he looks like he's talking to somebody. Hmm. I, oh God. I feel like I'm already going too far. <laughs> this is not safe for church. You know what? I've already been canceled. So I, I did see the clip. I was capping a little bit. I was just trying to put you in the hot seat. It seemed like he was out of it. Like it did not seem like he was sober. So I feel like, you know, he was not in the right state of mind. You know, he's a businessman. So yeah. I don't think a businessman that was in the right state of mind would be doing that. So I'm just going to say it was, you know, a, a, a lack of judgment in that moment and assume that that's not his behavior. Yeah, we're going to lift him up basis. in prayer. Derek, uh, Steve, <laughs> any, any comments, concerns, any, any, any opinions on any of this? They're like, I had, they both have kids. They're like, I don't know how far I should go. Like, holy ghost. What, like, what, what do you think? We can just focus on the question. Why is the world so sexually charged? Yes, why is the world so sexually charged? We as human beings are sexually charged. That's how, that's how we developed. That's how we evolved. That's what we are as a species. Like the, the animal brain is in there. Drive for food. Yeah. Drive for sex. Mm. Like those are those are competing impulses that all of us are navigating at every moment of every day. And to pretend that that's not happening is just a like social yeah. norm that we're trying, we're, we're just trying to like be on our best behavior around the teachers that might get us like put us in timeout. Yeah. But we all know that that's a huge part of existence. Yeah. Na- navigating those feelings. And I think the way that modern culture, social media, yeah, uh, even just 
kind of like the the freedom to express that now seems pervasive in all corners of dialogue. It's like we can talk about this now. We yeah. can actually demonstrate this. Some someone like you're describing. I mean, perhaps <laughs> that kind of stuff is going on in the background of this interview, like you were suggesting. Perhaps, like Luna was saying, perhaps it's not, and he's just not totally sober. Either way, there's a permission slip that's been handed to all of us to kind of like go there. Yeah. And we we all know that we want to go there. Come in on. In terms of just okay. what's happening inside of us. Luna, do you want to go there? Do you... Let him speak. <laughs> Girl, that you said, mm-hmm, like you want to go there. Oh, I don't want to go I there. Think it's, I think it's healthy too that it's, it, it's like Steve is alluding to, like when it becomes less taboo. Yes. And it's just... It's every everyone can, you know, we can all grow up a little bit collectively. This We can talk about these things without getting red in the face yep. and make it less of a situation where, you know, there's a cookie jar on top of the fridge mm. and, you, and mom says you can't have any cookies. And now all the you know, it's like the only thing that you the only thing that you want. It creates this like unhappy, un, unhealthy sort of urge to maybe be deceptive or yeah. all, all of this other stuff where if it's just like, look, you can have a cookie occasionally. This is, this is a fine thing. I don't, I don't know. Like I think making it less of a taboo, yeah. uh, you know, sort of thing, it allows all of us to be a little bit more adult about, about the whole thing. I think yeah. it's a positive thing. And I grew up in a house where you could talk about sex. Like, I mean, we talked about it openly. Like we, yeah, like, we joke about it. It was very free. So it was always weird. Like, uh, I think when I started to walk into these uh, white evangelical spaces <laughs> and like nobody's like everybody acts weird when you bring up like the word sex. And it's like, but you were created like or I remember I had, I had one friend. I could be very. <laughs> he said, you only have sex to reproduce. And I said, I haven't had no kids. and. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just move on to the next topic because this is not safe for church. So recently I've been keeping a close eye on the Kim and Kanye story. I feel like I talk about the Kardashians every freaking episode. I don't know why. I, know, I, I just say. I know. I just love. A, a Kardashian. No, I'm not no, a Kardashian. You know they're strongholds of black men. You know what I said. They got uh, you. They don't got me. I'm free. I'm free. Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm free. No longer bound. Okay, you got to sing. I got to sing on here because I don't sing at church. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, I've noticed. I'm still healing. Call Janine for me, okay? I've noticed they share a lot of information on social media. My question to you all is what is a healthy boundary uh, between social media and your business? Mm. Social media, and when I say business, I'm not talking about like, uh, like you know, business, like money. I mean like your business. Like for me, I recently um, was hanging out with somebody and I had told the person, I was like, hey, like if this goes any further, like, I don't plan on posting you on my social media <laughs> because I just think that there should be a healthy balance. Like, I like posting about my podcast. I like posting about, you know, when I sing sometimes. But I don't really want my, you know, my, you know, yeah. my personal business, who I'm dating, who I'm hanging. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you may get a post if we're all like out like you, like you're saying you're Luna's there, Steve's there, Derek is there. Like, we're all hanging out. But like, I'm not. Yeah. So what is your opinion on uh uh, the healthy boundary of social media in your business. Every time we talk about them, it's so hard because their life is social media. Like that's their income. So it's really hard for me to compare what I would do to them. But 
I feel like everybody just needs to set, like, let's talk about normal people, yes. right? We all set our boundaries. I feel like you and I have the same boundary where we don't. <laughs> it's your business. It's not. Like, if you looked at my Instagram, if you looked at my, okay, maybe Twitter's a little more, but if you look at my Instagram, you're not going to know what's going on in my day-to-day life aside from, like, a story with the brunch I had. Like, that's yeah. it. Um, I feel like if we're considering, like, if we're trying to define healthy, they're already way past that because yeah. they're discussing their divorce. Their legal papers are online now. Like, the people they date, like, the text messages, screenshots, like, everything is online. Yeah. Down to, like, the house that he just purchased. I don't even know why my parents got divorced. I still don't know. And that's none of your business at this point. So. 11 years later. <laughs> yeah, but I think every single person has to set that boundary for themselves. And I think they're way past that. Like, not knowing what their boundary is, I'm going to assume they passed all of that. There's so no boundaries. That's all I got to say. Steve, Derek, <laughs> any comments, questions, concerns? They're so wise that they're going to wait to speak. <laughs> They're like, who's Kim? It's, it's part of their, I mean, you get that it's like part of their brand. And yeah. so that's, you know, like Luna was saying, it's, you know, this is, this is part of how they're, you know, making a living for themselves. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't really relate with that. For me, it's, if I'm going to post something online, a picture, a tweet or, or, or whatever, I'm asking if, is this going to age well? Mm. Like. Am I going to like a week from now, a month, a year, like, am I going to be, am I comfortable with this? Like, so there's definitely some times where there's been things that I've, I I maybe in the moment would feel really good to post maybe a a sort of slide jab or something like that. And I just think like, (laughs) ah, it's, you know, it's going to feel good in the moment, but I don't think it's going to age well. Like, I don't know. That's, I'm not, I'm, I'm probably not the, the best, uh, person to ask something like this too because i'm not particularly active maybe because i kind of just default to being you know pretty conservative and reserved and reserved in terms of stuff that i'm i'm posting online but yeah yeah that's something i think about that's good is this gonna age well we need to get that tattooed every single time we're gonna tweet just look at our yeah. wrist or something be like never mind it's <laughs> <laughs> not gonna Don't age well <laughs> i like to think about the social media platform as like a big party that i just walked into mm-hmm. like a party at a friend's house except there's you know 80 100 people there and i only know 20 of them which is probably how the stats play out as far as like my instagram or my twitter and the people who follow me mm-hmm. the people that i know personally versus the people that are following me that are just like aware of what i do for a living within the music world or whatever and see if you have fans now don't get it twisted i know some people who are your fans i told somebody i had your number and like they literally almost peed their pants like steve you're a big deal like right. let's let's be honest well, let me get an autograph before he gets off of here. That's, you're a big deal it's kind of you to, it's kind of you to say I, what i'm saying is that i understand the difference between the people in my social media audience who are my friends yep. versus people who just know me for a different reason yeah and that's how the landscape feels when i walk into a party and if i were to call everyone's attention in the party and then say something what kind of thing would I say? Like Ooh. something that's fake, something that's uh, just supposed to make me look cool, something that has sincerity behind it, something that's like deeply personal that actually people are uncomfortable to hear because there's so many details that they don't want and didn't sign up for. I mean, like this, I, that's the metaphor that I'm always thinking of. Is like I'm in the room, there's a bunch of people listening to me, many of them I don't know. How should I speak? Whoa. So it's, it's less about like whose business it is. 
It's rather about the fact that I walked into this party on my own initiative, mm-hmm. like of my own accord. So it's like, like I signed up for Instagram. So did you. Yeah. And if even if your account is private, the people who are following you that ask permission to follow you, you granted them that permission. And at that point, what kind of stuff are you going to say to them? It's not, it's not so mm-hmm. much about like whose business is it, but I, I, another great metaphor would be just like my inner monologue the kind of shit that I think about versus the kind of shit that I say. Yeah. And there's a filter there for a reason. Yeah. And like a, you know, that, that feels like that exists (laughs) in the same way in social media. Do you have that same filter, Reynold? Uh, I don't think I'm that wise with my filter. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it depends on who you're around. (laughs) And it depends on if I, yeah. Yeah. I have a filter because I don't say a lot of things, but I don't, man, that's a lot. Like, I want to do this whole episode (laughs) after he said all that. It's like, man, am I giving more than I should even get? Like, whoa. I know. Like, I'm walking to the party just saying so much. I'm going to deactivate my Instagram right now. Me too. I'm about to repent. (laughs) Well, y'all, I got to thank God for our first ad. Woo! Come on. This ad is brought to you by 323 Coffee. Um, They believe that their coffee is not just a coffee brand. They believe that their coffee is a way to create community. And it leads to vulnerability over a cup of coffee. Will and Jen Sweeney created 323 Coffee in 2021 with um, our flagship, the the Conversation Roast, a delicious dark roast. Let me tell you something. It says delicious dark roast. That sounds like me. I mean, I need this coffee because it sounds like me. (laughs) Come on. And it can be enjoyed by anyone. Um, This coffee is crafted for a purpose. 20% of all their profits go to to a nonprofit of your choice. So make sure you purchase um, 323 Coffee. Today, you can purchase it at 323coffee.com. I need a cup of 323 Coffee. Okay, I'm going to read for real. Life is all... You don't guys... You don't have to get the music under this because I'm just messing up on all of it. Oh, they will? Come on, we're going to bring that back because God gives me a second a chance and I'm keeping this in a doggone episode because I ain't perfect. Life is all about change, growth, and evolution to become the best person possible. However, sometimes who you are becoming can affect who we have always been. I've noticed sometimes people, places, environments would rather be our old selves because it benefited them. Today, we're going to explore this topic through the life of two good friends of mine, Derek and Steve, who are former pastors who are also some of the most thought-provoking, loving, and caring guys I know. Today's topic is called the Church didn't change. I did. So I think um, to give the audience some context of who you guys are, I know we kind of already been in hot topics. Things have moved and things have all that good stuff. But um, to give them some context of who you are, I think it would be cool if you guys could both just give us a brief story of uh, your history with the church and where you stand with the church today. Yeah. All right. Derek, you want me to go? go? I'll go. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised in the church. Um, both of my grandfathers were lifelong pastors, had a really rich, beautiful, um, Christian experience. I grew up in a home where both of my parents, they, they pastored churches, worked in church, um, all throughout my growing up. And I followed in their footsteps. I worked in churches for over 20 years and did that as a full-time vocational pastor for 14 years. Um, 10 years ago, um, my spiritual journey uh, shifted pretty significantly when I started learning to look at the Bible from uh, what 
for me at the time was a, was a new fresh, um, perspective. So I, I started realizing that the tradition, evangelical tradition that I came from, uh, conditioned us to read the Bible as something that was it really kind of in a, in a very egocentric sort of way, like something that was written for me, written to me. These are letters and accounts and stories that are, that are addressed to me. Yeah. And I read them in a very, through this very personal lens. And the shift that started happening for me was learning to read the Bible from the perspective of the authors who had written the text and the original audience that the text was uh, originally written for or intended for. And I'm not overstating it to say that that, for me, changed everything. Um, every idea, ultimately, every idea that I had about who God is, what it means to be a human being, how it is that I relate with the divine, how it is that I relate with others and the earth, like every foundational idea that I had about connected to faith or just life in general, all of that stuff um, really changed. That started for me about 10 years ago. And so uh, that that created some complexities when it comes to my relationship with the church. Yeah. Um, many of the people that I love are still a part of that tradition. And I see them walking a journey that is reminiscent of my own. And I see them running into some of the same problems, some of the same roadblocks that I ran into. It's not a tradition, in, in my experience, not a tradition that, it's an, that is an easy place to uh, ask questions of. Yeah. Um, particularly big, big idea, important, really foundational sort of things. Um, it's, it's not a, it's not an easy place to ask questions of. Mm -hmm. And so I see a lot of folks in that world. I still care deeply about that are walking a similar path and are struggling to find an identity, a space to be able to work out those questions. Um, and so in, in this stage of my life, I, I'm working now towards building such a space where folks from that tradition can, work some of these things out, can ask really good, really big, important, thoughtful questions. Um, and an environment, a community that is not so designed and, and built around a lot of ideas that are, you know, with a lot of certainty and a lot of absolutes, but yeah. trying to create space that leans into complexity and nuance and, and the mystery. Um, and in sharing a, a collective experience in pursuit of of the truth. So that's that's uh, I guess that's it in a nutshell for me. Come on, mighty God, Steve. Uh, like Derek, my grandpa was a pastor. My dad, his son, was is a uh, was a pastor until he passed away a couple years ago. Um, my uncle, my aunts. Everybody on that side of the family, they're all pastors. Yeah. And so I grew up in a home that had, of course, just bedrock presupposition, yep. assumption. Where, like the starting point is evangelical Christianity in America. Yeah. And that was me all the way through my college years. However, at age 11, I started playing the drums. Okay. And my dad, who's a big music fan, 
saw how much passion I had for music, I think had a vicarious draw towards supporting me yeah. in the music endeavor. Mm-hmm. Never pushed me toward being a pastor. Yeah. Instead, supported my music um, development, my music involvement. Yeah. And in the music world, I encountered quite a bit of totally opposite worldview and perspective. Yeah. From my family inherited evangelicalism. And those things were butting heads in very interesting ways during my high school years and college years. By the time I got to my late 20s, uh, music had won the day. Yeah. However, the majority of my network, the majority of my professional opportunities, even I worked mostly in the Christian music industry yeah. at that time. So like I was around evangelicalism. I was getting hired into evangelical circles. Yeah. So I still kind of carried the torch, so to speak, that I grew up around and I knew how to carry it pretty well yeah. because I grew up around it. It wasn't until my mid thirties where I realized like, wow, maybe I don't even need to carry this torch anymore. Yeah. Ironically, I got hired by a mega church right then. Yeah. Like right around the time that I decided I didn't need to publicly be a Christian anymore. I suddenly found myself as a church staff member at one of the largest churches in the country where you and I met Renault, where I met Derek. Come on. So now I have an employment obligation to continue carrying this torch, at least publicly, while getting to also see how the sausage was made, so to speak. And that that was an interesting season. Realizing that I didn't believe most of this stuff myself while watching the people who did believe it craft it in a way that was, felt more uh, like corporate America than it did like a religion. Mm. And that kind of like, yeah, okay, this checks out. Like, like the behavior of everyone around here makes sense with why I'm suspicious of this doctrine to begin with. Uh, I probably don't even need to say this, but the Trump situation happened right then. And uh, I remember standing in the living room with my ex-wife. Now, at, at the time, we were still married, and I remember saying, like, I think this changes how Christianity functions in our country. Like when, when CNN was reporting that Donald Trump had been elected and that 80% of evangelicals had supported him. That was like a stat. I don't know if you remember that. It was a stat oh, I was going through all of the news cycle that night. Like Donald Trump got elected and he got elected because the evangelicals supported him. Yeah. And I was like, I think being a Christian is different now. Yeah. And I, I had already kind of arrived at that conclusion within my own heart, but now I can't really separate it from the larger culture anymore. Yeah. And uh, the next few years was just a increase in my disengaging, an increase in my disavowing of what I had been handed from my upbringing to the point where I got fired from that mega church. Uh, I think for a lot of reasons, one of which would be, I wasn't in alignment. Alignment was a big word that they used. Yeah. And doctrinal adherence, I guess. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not one of you. You guys hired me. You thought I was one of you. Yeah. I'm not one of you. However, people, somebody just asked me this on the tour that I just got back from the, the monitor engineer in the, in the, like in the situation that I was just 
and he, he was like, so are you a Christian? Would you call yourself a Christian? Like, man, yeah, I would. Yeah. I would call myself a Christian. But what does that matter? <laughs> there are a bunch of people who consider themselves to be the gatekeepers of Christianity. And they talk louder than I do. Mighty God. They have more of an audience than I do within the church circles. And they would probably tell you that I'm not a Christian. Yep. So who's in charge? Like, do I get to be a Christian because I say I am? Or am I not a Christian because they say I'm not? Yeah. And that's the like, That's I think that's a good that's window good. into my relationship. <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This is making word. me nervous. I'm like, oh, God, it just feels so some. Anyways, um, <laughs> Derek, uh, I recently uh, was hanging out with you. And uh, you explained this idea of faith um, that really challenged me. This, you explained how faith and clarity cannot coexist. And um, I think sometimes as Christians, we try to make sense of everything. And uh, I just wish you, like in this moment, can you expound on that idea? It was so good. Like it really like got me to like the next thing. I don't know, like that whole faith and clarity idea. I don't know if you remember what you said, yeah. but it was good. Yeah. I don't remember what I said, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> um, so let's define the terms first. Um, faith. Okay, so in the evangelical world that I came from, everyone seems to equate faith with belief. Yep. So if I'm asked, if I'm going to tell you what I have faith in, I'm really it's just another way of set, telling you like what it is that I believe, yeah. what ideas that I subscribe to. However. That, that, that sort of di definition of faith is, would be completely foreign to the audience of the Bible and, yeah. and the authors of the Bible. It's not at all how they're using the word faith. So faith, um, really in a biblical sense, is about active trust. Yeah. Faith mm -hmm. is all about trust. It's really, and what, what trust is, is, is like the primary currency of relationship. So faith is all about relationship. If you think about clarity, we desire clarity because of the uncertainty that we have navigating through life. We have all of these questions, yeah. all of this sort of anxiety that, we, that can develop because we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, where my next meal is going to come from, how I'm going to pay rent how I'm going to get my kids to college, how I'm going to afford this thing or how I'm going to fix like what, you know, the questions are endless. We have all of this anxiety about the future. And if I just had a sense of clarity, if I knew how this stuff was going to work out, yeah. all of this anxiety would be alleviated. But God in the Bible, this is not the way that his economy works. The economy of the divine in the Bible is all about faith. It's Come all, on. which is just <laughs> pushing you towards relationship. So if I have clarity, now I don't need, or I don't feel as though I need faith. I don't need relationships. But the whole economy, like the, the, the world that the divine is trying to draw us into is a world of, of filled with relationships. And yeah. not just the relationship between me and God, yeah. but the relationships that we have with each other. Yeah. And so as I'm navigating through this litany of things that are, that are looming in the future that I, I have all of these questions and can have all of this anxiety about, um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here pounding, pounding the table, begging for clarity. This is not 
this is not the way that God thinks about these things and approaches this stuff. Yeah. But instead, we have access to others. We have access to him in relationship. And when we lean into those things, that's the... I, I recognize that when I'm stepping into the unknown of the future, I'm not doing so alone. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, like whatever it is that I'm going to face, I'm not, I'm not doing it by myself. And I yeah. have what it is that I need to navigate into the unknown in these trust-based relationships. Jeez. I mean, oh my gosh, wouldn't that make you just be like, F clarity? <laughs> like what? I don't need it. Cause I got faith. That's what the F stands for. Not F. Like, Faith clarity, that's what it stands for? Okay, let's try that again. I got too comfortable. I got too comfortable for a second. I got too comfortable. Okay, not safe for church, baby. You got I'm not safe for church, praise the Lord. I don't know why I say praise the Lord at the end of it, because like I'm just so churchy. All right, Steve, I'm such a fan of your podcast. I recently listened uh, to an episode where you talked about your deconstruction process. My question for you is, after you have deconstructed your faith, where have you, what has the reconstruction process looked like and where do you stand today on everything? And I mean, you probably can't tell everything, but I mean like, yeah, where do you stand today? Sure. Yeah. Well, the word everything is a pretty, uh, everything. Uh, okay. So I think the easiest way, to just, easiest way to describe it is that I, I feel like psychology and the study of how we think mm -hmm. just as a species but even like as individuals trying to peel back the layers of the onion of how my mind works, yeah. why it works the way that it does, what internal and external influences are affecting my thought process, my feelings, my conclusions, and the way my thought process and my feelings kind of like mesh together to create con conclusions. Yeah. We all like the idea that we form conclusions just based on data and like Derek was bringing up like clarity. Like, oh, I just like crunched the numbers and I arrived at a conclusion. But like, that's not how any of us actually work. At least the discipline of psychology would suggest that there's all of this underlying emotional shit going on. Yeah. It's like steering the ship more than our cognitive capacity. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to like study that stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking a step back from religion itself as a whole, not because I think religion is a crock. Yeah. Not because I think the idea of spirituality is some sort of like false, flat, uh, like a, a worthless pursuit. I feel very spiritual. Yeah. I, I, I can sense the presence of spiritual reality yeah. in the world. Yeah. And yet I'm also realizing how much my radar is impacted by my emotions, by my upbringing, by the social pressures that I'm in all the time, yeah. which is what the discipline of psychology tries to sift through. Mm -hmm. So in a way I would just shorthand answer your question by saying like, I, I, I think so far in my reconstructive process, I've replaced religion with psychology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you still believe in Jesus? Well, I and I don't like mean to say that judgmental because I think it came off judgmental. Like I'm not like, no, I, I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a fair question. I mean, like, do I believe in Aristotle? Like, well, I mean, do I believe that Aristotle was a person that existed and like had some thoughts and wrote them down, et cetera? Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't have any reason to doubt it. I mean, I've never met the guy. There's no reason I could, or there's no way for me to have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
same with Jesus. However, the Christians at that point, the, the evangelicals rather, no, 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 I have a way that you can meet Jesus. You can pray this specific prayer. You'll meet him. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm not sure that's true, uh, at least in the way that you're saying. Yeah. I think you might be making that shit up in your own heart. And this is like, I'm going on record here with a little bit of a like, guns are blazing here, but. Not yeah. safe for church. These, uh, <laughs> these spiritual moments that allegedly happen within churches. I know enough about music to know why the people are feeling the way they're feeling. It's not because the Holy Spirit is there. Like you drop a four chord at the right time and you go to a six chord after it. And then you go back to the one chord and the people will feel the Holy Spirit somehow. That's why do it again gets you. Yeah, every time. Dun, 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 dun. Mm. This, is, this is what I'm saying. That's why people feel, that's why Christians who've grown up in church feel the instinct to raise their hands when they go to a U2 concert. Yeah. Because mm. some of the same tricks are happening. It's actually, those, oh. those guys are actually the authors of the trick. At least the, the modern landscape okay my point is i want to figure out if i'm being hijacked yeah when people are talking about spiritual subjects are they using sights sounds and other sensory experiences that hijack my mind into thinking that i'm encountering god when really i'm just encountering their pitch and I, I feel like the discipline of psychology is helping me to decipher those. So back to your question, do I believe in Jesus? What, what do you mean, believe in Jesus? I mean, like, I know that Jesus existed. At least yeah. I have as much evidence that Jesus existed as someone like Plato or Aristotle. What did I Jesus think... say about himself? Yeah. And how should I understand what Jesus said about himself? And what should I do with that information? Well, now we've got a whole bunch of different schools of just Christianity raising their hands to answer that question. Yeah. And the evangelicals have a real specific answer to it. Yeah. And I will tell you unequivocally, I do not agree with theirs. Like yeah. The evangelical answer to who is Jesus? What did Jesus teach? What does it matter to all of us? And how should I behave now that I know it? I don't agree with any of the evangelical conclusions about those questions. I think that's that part of the problem like is that they're. Yes, I'm. I'm... I want to piggyback on what Steve's saying because this is this resonates a lot with me too. I think it's the problem is with the the dogma that gets attached to it, and by dogma I just mean an idea, and it may be a worthwhile idea to consider, but an idea that is so heavily supported that it gets equated with fact, with it gets equated as something that is actual. Um, that's the, that's such a problem. I think, and, and this is, this is where I'm at with Jesus and, you know, in some regard too, like I, the ideas are, are very interesting, but ideas need to be something that we can test and poke and prod and explore and do away with yeah. in, in, in replacement of better ideas. Um, and Christianity doesn't realize this, but this is, this is a part of the way that the whole tradition has evolved over the last 2000 years. Um, they didn't believe, they didn't think of Jesus uh, universally within Christianity. They didn't think of Jesus as God until 600, like uh, that's not, that didn't get uh, cemented as a universal idea for like almost like 400 years after Jesus lived, died and resurrected. 
like after 400 years after that whole story, it's not until that point that that whole idea of Jesus being God becomes an ingrained part of the of the tradition. It's an evolving sort of thing, and I think we all just need to admit what we're doing is that we're we're paying attention. There's something there's something really enticing about about Jesus and these yeah. things that he taught. But the moment that somebody tries to claim jurisdiction over it and say, oh, this is interesting, and this is what it means, period, end of story, end yep. of discussion, like, that's the thing that I am unsubscribing from. And within my experience of Christianity, I think like what Steve was describing, that's that was my experience within evangelicalism, is a yeah. is group of people trying to claim jurisdiction over a story that they're actually kind of they're pretty misinformed about. They have some some bad ideas about, and and they and they hold to those ideas just so dogmatically. It's yeah, it's really troubling. Yeah, and I would probably say I stand somewhere in between the middle of what you guys are saying. Like, I don't say I fully believe in the Jesus that certain evangelicals tell me to believe in, but I also believe that you know, for me, like I believe Jesus rose on the third day for my sins. I believe. Like when I pray, he answers. I mean, like yeah. I believe I do life with him, but I don't subscribe to the Jesus that people tell me to, to subscribe to. Like there's certain things that me and Jesus is cool about that some people will be shocked as hell about. Like, like oh my yeah. Lord, like, like I, you know what I mean? Like I'm just not, I don't, I want to be more like him. And yeah. so I want to live a life kind of like him, how he loved everybody, how he treated everybody right. Like, I'm not, yeah, I don't, you gotta get what I'm saying, like. It's a personal relationship. Yeah, I, it's very personal, but people will think when I sing that maybe I believe everything, but that's not their business because my relationship is monogamous with the Lord. I'm not enough, I'm, I don't do threesomes, foursomes with Jesus. Just me and him, just me and the Lord, me and him only. Yeah. I want to jump in on that, can I? Ramon? Yeah, yeah. So you saying that you, uh, you believe in Jesus, died for your sins, all of that. However, there are some things that Jesus is cool with in you that other people maybe wouldn't be cool with. What do you do when those people say that if you think Jesus is cool with that stuff, then you don't know the real Jesus? I'm going to say when I get to heaven, I'm going to see you there. And I don't, and I really don't. And it took me a long time to get there. You know what I'm saying? I, this is not overnight. Like I had to go to counseling, had to, but like, I'm at a place in my life where I don't have to, like, you're not in my relationship. You know what I mean? Like I do life with him. I know he's for me. I know like, so it really don't matter what you say. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I do. That's why I do this podcast. Some people uh, think what I'm doing is a hot mess, but like, Hey, <laughs> this is not your relationship with him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know. I feel yes. I I completely I can I can relate. Let me just give you an anecdote from my own life. Uh, when I was going through my divorce, I talked th through it with a lot of my friends. Yeah. I, I don't I don't want to make decisions in a vacuum, yep. especially decisions of that magnitude, decisions that have that kind of that level of impact on my life and other people's lives. I talked to a lot of people. It was pretty easy to tell who, when I talked to them, had experienced what a bad marriage was like. Yeah. The people who had seemingly never experienced a bad marriage were the ones that were most confident to tell me that what I was doing was 
probably the wrong call. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, I don't think you know what I'm going through. Yeah. Uh, as it would relate to your story about Jesus, you're, sounds like you're willing to say to people who would accuse you of not having the right relationship with Jesus. You would say to them, it seems you don't know what my relationship with Jesus is like. And it sounds like your relationship with Jesus is different than mine. <laughs> and that's okay. Like we can, we can all just agree to disagree. I mean, that's yeah. kind of a buzz phrase, but like you have your relationship with Jesus. You don't need to project that shit onto me. Yeah. Uh, also, it sounds like your marriage is going really great. Good for you. Praise the Mine Lord. isn't. I'm not even married. And, and I'm, I'm going to act accordingly. Yeah. And, and, and in that, uh, what's the word there? Subjectivity. Like th- this is the point at which uh, some of the some of the evangelicals would step in and say, like, "Well, wait, is truth relative? Like my truth versus your truth? Uh, unequivocally, my experience is different than your experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can tell just from ten minutes of our conversation. Yeah, it seems like your marriage is going great, and mine isn't. Also, it seems like your relationship with Jesus is built on a totally different set of premises than mine. And those differences, it's like, can't we just?" have our differences yeah and it seems to me as if wholesale american evangelicalism would respond to that question and say no you can't have differences within this tradition within this idea within this church organization or even just school thought we have to all agree about these fundamental premises of what a relationship with jesus is like or fake okay (laughs) say, say that again or fake like we agree Cause that's what a lot that happens a lot. Yes. Yeah. Right. And but where does that get? <laughs> and then then we wonder why they told me pastor with scandals. It's like, was it really a scandal, or you just didn't know he didn't really care? <laughs> what? I don't know. Let me shut up. <sighs> Mighty God, I I'm gonna fast forward this whole show. Let let's we're gonna fast forward to the word of the day, and I'm not I'm not gonna do the word of the day today. I'm Derek and Steve. I want you guys to leave us with. Something to think about, something thought-provoking, something that really can just hold us over until the next week. Because the people need a word today. Because a lot of my friends that listen to this, they're not gonna go to church on Sunday. And then if they went to church on Sunday, maybe they wouldn't even get the word they're supposed to get anyway. Because they'd be preaching to Jesus, they want to preach. Anyway, all right, yeah. Can you just give us a wow. good word of the day? Give us a good word of the day. Anybody can stop. Go ahead, Derek. All right. Uh... Here's one for you. Um, I say this a lot, but I think because I need to be, I need to be reminded of this regularly too. Truth thrives under scrutiny. Mm. If there are ideas that you have that you feel really strongly about, um, asking questions and poking and prodding and testing that idea is not something that is going to jeopardize it. Um, if it is true, it's going to with, withstand that and it's going to become more, more vivid and more yeah. clear that this is the way. And if it, and if it doesn't uphold to that, um, it's, it creates an opportunity for you to adjust, to, to recalibrate and to navigate towards something else. So don't be afraid to test and scrutinize the ideas that you have. That's good. That is good. Wow. I'm about to question my right whole life. <laughs> Uh, my turn? Yeah, come on. Hit us, Steve. Come on. Um, Derek has heard me say this many times. I had an epiphany of sorts 
like 15 years ago when I realized that the authority figures in my life didn't really know what they were talking about. And I don't mean that the authority figures don't have any form of expertise or any, you know, any knowledge, but just like the fullness of certainty that many of the authority figures uh, demonstrated or acted like they had, it almost seemed if this, this conclusion kind of hit me all at once. It almost seemed like authority itself was something that was grabbed for via a claim of certainty. Yeah. Like I'm a good drum teacher because I know how the drums are supposed to be played. Yeah. Except such knowledge just does not exist in the human experience. Yeah. Knowledge like that only comes from fully experiencing everything that's there to be experienced. And no one has done that. Yeah. Like I can't even tell you that I know what the best burger in the world is because I've never eaten at every burger joint. Like I know what my favorite one is, but I can't walk around telling you what the best burger joint is because I don't have that level of experience. Yeah. Substitute any other subject, any other topic, anybody who's walking up to you saying like, I know what to do in this situation or what the best version of this is or what the worst version or the thing that you're supposed to not believe or believe or whatever it is that we're going to talk about politics, economy, religion, whatever. Nobody really knows what they're talking about. Everybody's just doing their best. Everybody's just trying to figure it out. And that was a very freeing realization for me. Yeah. Like, oh, we're all just in this together. Yeah. And that makes me want to listen to your perspective and your perspective and your perspective and every, like, and, and gather them all together and try to form as best of a conclusion as I can and then be humble with my own conclusion once I form it, yep. because I know that I, I don't know everything. Nobody does. It's actually re- like a really comforting thought mm-hmm. as opposed to like, no, 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 I need my pastor or my president or the CEO of my company or like my coach on my team. Like I need them to know everything. Yeah. Oh, they don't. <laughs> Nobody does. That is good. Point blank period well i would like to thank my sponsors my co-hosts and i want to remind you guys to comment like and subscribe i want to thank my best friend of over 10 years for sponsoring this episode diamond nicole ray i don't know why i said your whole name claiborne loops make sure you like comment and subscribe and follow us on the instagram at nsfc podcast i love y'all god bless you i don't know i'm being so churchy all right bye bye let me get out of here i gotta go home hey